0: All right, Chip, thank you again for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having me. And in your own words, can you please introduce yourself?
1: I am Chip Rudolph, the owner of Problem Solvers, which is a business consulting company. I've been in business since my 34th year. Uh, Originally, we started out as a small claims court consulting service exclusively, and as the way people did business changed, we diversified. In around 1999, I went back to my accounting roots and added bookkeeping services. Um, Around 2007, I went back to my advertising roots. I became the advertising manager of a college campus newspaper. Um, I've always been involved in community service, sometimes volunteer work, sometimes paid work. But um, my motto is to try to help the business person or individual who hasn't learned all the things they need to know, and that's kind of been our focus for the last thirty plus years.
0: You no, know, that's 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 beautiful. So. Um... Let's, let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up?
1: Well, I started, I was born in Cleveland, my father got after he got out of the service with a, a dime store chain, similar to Woolworth's type. Uh, and he was a merchandising guy, so they would send him to a new opening to get the place organized and set up and what have you. So we left Cleveland for several years Went to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Detroit, Michigan, St. Louis, Missouri. The next stop was Chicago, and uh, he couldn't find housing. Most of the places that were available didn't take kids or animals, and by then there were three of us, so um, he ended up quitting, and we came back to Cleveland. I was about uh, seven, something like that. And um, so the rest of my time, I was in Cleveland Heights, which is a suburb of Cleveland proper. And then later uh, when I was in eighth grade, we moved to University Heights, another suburb. Um, Unlike, I don't know what it's like in San Diego, I don't remember, but Los Angeles is like no place in the country. This big megatropolis is handled like one city there's maybe eight or ten communities, But in the rest of the world that I know of, in cities that I grew up in, each community became their own city. And they had their own mayor, city council, police chief, uh, uh, fire department, and school system. l a operates as this one gigantic megatropolis, there's one police force. There's one school system. so, the school system i belong to cleveland heights university Heights school system happened to have been really really superior and i learned a lot of things that i found out 20 years later people a few communities over did not learn we had a very excellent school so yeah. no, and then um i came here uh here meaning california for a friend's wedding when i moved in eighth grade I moved from Cleveland Heights to University Heights, and she moved from Cleveland Heights to California. So this is several years later. She was getting married, and I came to California for a week to go to the wedding. I see. The um, person who picked me up at the airport was a friend of mine, and he brought a friend of his with him. And that friend of his is the guy I ended up marrying.
0: Oh, wow. And we're all
1: from Cleveland. I <laughs> wow. had to go 3,000 miles to find somebody in my backyard, right?
0: <laughs> right, right. And so around this, when you were younger, when you, let's even say after, after you moved to California, when you were growing up, so right now you're in the financial industry. So how was your family with money overall?
1: Well, we never had a lot. My father never made a lot of money, um, but inflation was nothing like it is today. Um, even a little later than that, my first shopping as a married woman So this is 1965, Uh, we went on a honeymoon. My husband had surgery immediately after the honeymoon. And when he was coming home, the day he came home is when I was, I was doing the first shopping for us as a couple in our own place. I had 10 bags of food and cleaning supplies, lasted us a month and it was $20. Wow so so i i learned how early how to i mean i know it's because of inflation you know you you figure when i was a teenager and first going to drive gas was like 23 to 28 cents a gallon now it's between four and five dollars in some places and dips into the threes here and there but i mean it's crazy but my family never had much but um because of my mother's, my mother was an interior designer, but she didn't start till late, but she was always artistic. So like the first furniture that she got for me as a little girl, she got orange crates from the supermarket and she would take fabric and make a skirt around it. So it was like a dressing table, have shelves in it for books, for, you know, everything. everything was done in an economic way. But it didn't mean you did without. We just worked around things differently. Um, my grandmother happened to have been a bookkeeper at a, a and, and the office manager of a wholesale plumbing supply company. And in my later years, my teen years, she moved in with us. So we lived together. And so there was that extra help financially in things. Right. Um, and she's the one who taught me how to be a bookkeeper, but I didn't know that's what I was learning.
2: Mm. Um,
1: He had a guy who worked for her something like 25 years. He was in his seventies. Now, remember, I'm going back three generations. People didn't work that long. He was 71. He was still working and he wanted a $50 raise. And the big boss said he could only have 25. And he said, screw you. And he left. She hired a full-time person to replace him. But in addition to that full-time person, the receptionist, she is the office manager, two of the accounts receivable clerks, and she had me come in. It took six people to do the work this one man did wow. over the cheapness of, of you know, the owner. Um, but I didn't know what I was learning. I just did whatever she told me. I had a full-time job elsewhere, which I needed pulled to get at the time. A lot of my friends didn't go back, get to go back to college because they couldn't find summer jobs and couldn't get the money to do it. So I would work at my other job um, until mid afternoon. And then i Go to her place and work for a few hours and on Saturday. I see. And um, I just did whatever she told me to do. It wasn't until years later that I found out what I was learning was bookkeeping.
2: Hmm.
1: So I became my original intended career was the advertising business. I was going to be a media buyer. And nobody knew what I was talking about. Nobody, nobody. I don't even to this day, I have no clue why I wanted to do it. How I got that idea. If there's such a thing as reincarnation, maybe that's the explanation. I was born with it from another life. But I was very young. I was somewhere around 10, 10 or 11 when I knew that's what I was going to do when I grow up. Wow. Where did that come from? Have no clue. Didn't know anybody who did it either.
0: And is that so? So, and that I love that you brought that up. So, because at the time, That you're going to college or when you're graduating high school, where's your mindset at this point?
1: uh, Advertising journalism school. That's that's what I look for. That's what I chose. That was and even earlier, because in eighth grade, I joined the school paper, took a journalism class and knew I didn't understand why or how, but I knew that advertising and journalism were somehow connected. So I started taking journalism courses as early as I could. And I became the advertising manager through 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. I just did it for years, getting ready. But not quite, you know, I was learning to write. That I did, you know, naturally. Uh, but like in our school, 11th grade, one semester was speech class. And you learned the six types of speeches and you had to give one of each of them throughout the semester. And you learned about gesturing and and position, and that was mandatory. That was part. That was the English for that semester. You know, some semesters focus on literature, and some focus more on sentence structure, and some, you know, they have different themes. Um, One one semester it was Julius Caesar, Um, but eleventh grade one semester was speech learning how to talk and learning how to present, what have you. And I had different courses in college, writing courses and, you know, the mechanics and learning about um, printing and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But this business background kept creeping itself in. I would get these, these projects to work on not exactly media buying, but it still was in the advertising industry. So it got me closer to the people I would need to connect with. And when the project was over, I w- the job would end. But in a few cases, it didn't end because they found out about my business background. And I could continue working in the office. Or somebody, the bookkeeper was leaving, I got to replace her. The receptionist was leaving, and I got to, whatever. I, it just So by the time I came to California, um, I had more experience as a bookkeeper than I did in advertising. And I even one semester, um, or maybe it was a whole year, I don't remember, but one of my uh, staff cohorts on the paper's father owned an advertising agency. I got an appointment with him and I went to see him and I I asked for a job. I said, You don't have to pay me. I just want to train. So he wouldn't even do that. Wow. Even for free. Um, Which kind of was a bummer because that was very close, you know, that was as close as I ever got back home. And so my first job in Los Angeles (laughs) was as a bookkeeper in an advertising agency. And to me, that was like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I was so excited just to be able to. And then I got a few months into it, I got a promotion. I started out as the art and production bookkeeper, and I got promoted to the media bookkeeper which put me in contact with the media director who was at that time fairly well known in the city of Los Angeles and that proved to be very instrumental years later so you know life life has journeys that take you to places you would never imagine
0: sure sure
1: you have to have your eyes and ears open
0: absolutely Absolutely. And that leads me to my next question, because I, I wanted to ask you this. Why do you think financial literacy is so important? Because I think it's something that a lot of people take for granted.
1: I, I don't know you. People will teach their kids how to speak properly. Don't say gonna, going to. Uh, don't use ain't, don't use gots, don't, you you know, proper English, proper pronunciation um how to set a table manners uh they teach them all kinds of basic how to do laundry whatever it is okay they don't teach it maybe because nobody taught them
2: Mm. and
1: they're winging it and if you go to their parents you know so so there's there's a disconnect that of all the things um we have we have different values there's no question about that but like you know the saying and i know i know i know it's very common um it takes a village to raise a child yes and in many communities everybody's a parent Mm. or an aunt or a, a cousin or whatever and and it is okay for you when you see something that needs to be stop or corrected or oh you jump in and you know you can't whatever and it's okay with the parents but there are other communities who do you think you are you can't tell my child what to do you know it's totally different value system
0: right right, but I
1: don't care what the value system is by country by race by religion by national origin by by habits by money status Somehow, there are only a handful of people that bother to let their children know things. Now, they might teach them about how to buy things on sale. That they might do. Right. <laughs> you, know, you can get comparison shopping or, no, it's too expensive. Wait till it goes on sale or like they'll sell summer clothes at the end of the summer before things, whatever it is, they they, they teach these little tidbits but they're not teaching the understanding. They're not teaching the record keeping. They're not teaching, um, you know, it's like, if parents don't teach and schools don't teach, but adults are supposed to know when, where, and how was that supposed to take place?
2: Mm.
1: I I don't, I don't see You know, it's like, I know parents, I got, I got criticized a lot for a lot of the things that I taught my kids, oh, they're too young. They shouldn't have to worry about that. Okay. When is the right time? An example, um, I had a nephew, 18 years old, graduated high school, car's all packed up. He's moving on his own. He's in the doorway. He's already said his goodbyes. Mom, how do you wash clothes in the door? Well, she's not going to tell him while the flies come in with them holding the door open. And I just another situation was somebody who had their kids' birthday parties, and they would give presents to the brother or sister that wasn't having the party. They shouldn't feel bad. Really? their own birthday. They have their I mean. I, I, when is it right? So I made sure that I'm gonna happen to my kids.
2: Mm.
1: I made sure they learned the things they need to be an adult on their own. That was how, I think that's what a parent's responsibilities are, to teach your child how to be and live on their own. You aren't gonna be there forever. You can't keep them helpless and you can't learn it all at one shot. So little by little, they're doing laundry, they're cooking, they're cleaning, they're shoveling snow, they're doing the water, and they're learning to keep records and get receipts when they go. And my daughter had a job very young. I think she was like 14 or 15 in, um, what's the word? Uh, where you interview and market research, market research. And She got paid good money. The only drawback for her was they paid by the project. You do all the interviews. Everybody gathers it up. It's all mailed in as a package. And then the company that's doing the hiring sends a check to pay for everything all at once. And so after that, she did that for a while. And she was really good at it. And she liked it. But she didn't like not knowing when the money was going to come. And so she walked away from it a year or so later, she said, I wouldn't care as long as I had my money for, this is like around this time of year, late September, early October. So she she didn't care, but she wanted to be able to have the money for holiday shopping. Hmm. I said, so make a contract to tell them you need your money by December 15th. Or you need an advance. She knew that they had ways to advance money. Right. So I said that, that they have to give her X amount of money on advance by December 15th. Does that give you enough time to shop and get what you want? Yeah, they would do. So you put it in writing. You, make, you tell them, yeah, you'll come back under those conditions. I can do that? Yeah, you can do that. You make an agreement. You put it in writing. You sign it. She forgot the pen and paper to do it. She took a napkin, she took a napkin and she made them agree that she would get her money by, or at least in advance by December 15th. Long about December 10th, she did a reminder and she got her money on December 15th. She learned two things. One, she never has to work fast food anymore. You know, McDonald's or Flaky Jakes or you know, those kinds of jobs. And I never have to work for minimum wage anymore. I wasn't trying to teach her that. I was just trying to teach her to protect herself. I was trying to teach her that just because she's a kid, she shouldn't be taken advantage of. I was trying to teach her that she has worth, no matter how much in other areas she might be problematic, Mm. one thing has nothing to do with the other. And that's that's a big problem because people get labeled. And my daughter spent two years in detention every single day. Wow. My kids were adopted. Our home was the fifth home they were in. They had a lot of baggage and it took a long time to. I won't even say heal because I'm not sure there isn't still, but, but, but to manage it, and to be able to let them give themselves permission and realize they were worth something and could have a life that didn't have to be what they came from. And I got them very young. But, you know, when you're three years old and you've lived in five places, that's, that's a lot to carry, not to mention the abuse and, and other things that went on, which I don't need to discuss. It's their story to tell, not mine.
0: Sure, sure. But...
1: Um, I just and 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 this is not something because I have adopted kids. First of all, I planned to do that from a very early age. I started, I had my first school when I was eight for the three, four, and five-year-olds in the neighborhood. They would come over. Um, their mothers would go to the beauty shop or they'd go to the supermarket. And yeah, my mother was home, but it was my school. I ran it, I got paid for it. And um I taught them whether it was reading or playing games or whatever that was my first little school because I just I think what happened from the time I started reading the newspaper back when we really had newspapers um, and I would read about this abuse kids locked in closets basements attics, chain defenses put whatever um, physical abuse sexual abuse didn't matter uh, beaten, verbally taunted, I, I don't care. And this isn't the bully at the playground. This is their own family. Wow. And so, and I know it's very widespread. You know, people think that um, the world has changed a lot. Hmm. It hasn't changed. We just now have information available because of freedom of information, because of things like the internet and cell phones and and, and photographs everywhere. Things can't be hidden the way they used to. But even at the at the height of that idyllic family life that everybody talks about, Beaver Cleaver, Ozzy and Harriet Nelson, it was never a reality in the sense that it was the bulk of the population. It never even reached fifty percent of the population. So, it's always been a dream, right. I mean, yeah, a lot of people have those families. but it isn't it isn't like we deteriorated it. And when I read that, I realized we haven't deteriorated as much as everybody thinks. It's just that everybody knows about everything now. It's not. Covered right. up. There used to be people who had full-time jobs, not just in politics, not just in the entertainment world, but all across the board. And their job was to make sure, information didn't get out to the press, to the public, to the just cover ups and protection and all kinds of things. And the same with lifestyles and the same with alternate uh, sexual methodology. There is nothing new. It's been here forever. But it was so secretive and so covered up. And um, whether it was from the religious angle or from the public knowledge, it, it doesn't matter and and so i have always been a champion for kids in the sense that i want them to know they can have whatever life they want regardless of what they came from um, i'm not here i'm not here to to demolish their parents because i don't know where their parents came from and what they had sure, you know sure. chain reaction but i am here as an instrument in my own quiet little way to help people find their independence if you will um, i started working at uh, heights house and jccs when i was about 15 when i came to california i worked at head start i worked in probation camps i worked for jim brown's american i can i worked in continuation schools it's always getting to the the abused the impoverished the the the, um, supposed troublemaker. When I worked in the camps, I was about three years in uh, probation camps. These were uh, teenage boys between 13 and 19. Some gang members, some were uh, abandoned kids, some were abused, it doesn't matter. The point is, I don't care what's happened to you. You don't have to let that define the future and you're under 20 years old so for god's sake you don't have to live that way right and we were very proud of the people this one kid who belonged to a gang always in trouble often in solitary um, just a mess and i am very proud to say he is out he is functioning he owns a couple of businesses he has a family he got an education um,
0: that's beautiful
1: that's cuz we could nobody's telling them that they can the same way they're keeping financial information they I, I worked with this nlp neuro-linguistic programming um and and the the director did this experiment we used to do it all the time you could have 20 50 100 people yelling at you in one ear you're no good you're never going to make it you're a loser blah 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 blah. blah. one still small voice in the other ear you can do it Mm. you can do it that's all anybody needs is that one voice you will hear i'm sure you've heard stand-up comics actors different people you know i was in trouble i was hanging around with the wrong people if it hadn't been for mr so-and-so miss so-and-so The band, the uh, the, something, some one thing, changed their lives. Not everybody gets that some one thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's there, but they don't recognize the opportunity because they've already written themselves off. Right. I mean, like a lot of gang kids, they're the same way. Forgive me the 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 verbiage. I, I don't have what's always politically correct.
0: <laughs> but you're fine.
1: I, I, no, I, I, the people who teach upstanding ways of life, honesty, uh, compassion, uh, integrity, whatever, the people on the other side, the criminal element, they're teaching their kids their way of life. Mm-hmm. Never give a sucker an even break. You it here's, how, oh, don't be so, you know, because that's what they believe and they pass it on to their children and children and children. And so it's really hard to break out of something and it it doesn't matter about your race or religion because there's both in every society, whether it's the wealthy or the downtrodden, whether it's the educated or uneducated, whether it's the abused or the, the, you know, Nurtures, Um, every group has everything. Maybe isn't always known because again, we have this cover up hidden society that is slowly being a little bit eroded. Um, A lot of the people, I know a lot of us these last few years have felt like we went back 50 years. Mm. To me, it was like reliving the 60s and the 70s. Those people didn't go away they just were in hiding mm. they were living off the grid they were living, they were avoiding societal boundary
2: right. excuse,
1: boundary lines and so I look at everything and everybody from a different lens than a lot of people do because I've seen it I've lived through it I've watched it and and I know that all those rotten no good people on the playground (laughs) often come from places I mean I don't approve of their behavior and I'm not saying I'm letting off the letting them off the hook. It it, it has been shown um, many times that abusers will grow up to be abusers Mm, or you know I mean it's a continuing thing until somebody finds another way and if nobody shows you the way, how are you supposed to find it? So I'm going out of my way um, and and I'm not trying to be holier than thou or or pat myself on the back or anything like that. I'm really not interested in any kind of fame or notoriety or whatever, but I saw wrongs and I tried to help make them right in little places wherever I could.
0: I like that, I like that.
1: My parents, my parents were the kind of people that other people could talk to. And I had friends, I had cousins, I, they would come over and talk to my parents because they couldn't talk to their own. When my husband and I got together, why can't I talk to my, I mean, I thought now he's going to have parents he can talk to and it would be really good for him. But of course he looked at it. Why can't I talk to my parents like that? You know, he, he, he was still looking at what he was missing instead of what he received. Oh. I even had a friend, um, I used to have pajama parties a couple of times a year. And I had two friends who came from really bad situations. And one of them would try to get there early to talk to my folks before the other one came because once she came, she would monopolize and not be. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was hysterical. Okay, so flash forward. 20 some years and my kids are bringing me strays and then you know this one's been beaten by her boyfriend this one's it this one's that you know, you come talk to my mom she'll be able to help you she'll tell you what to do she'll help you know and i mean i wasn't trying to be known for that but it's i guess something that's just in me that i i can't fight um it, it there are certain things that i just I have a compulsion in certain arenas to talk about being from Cleveland where rock and roll was born mm-hmm. and, and how it started because I was there, I was there when it happened. Um, and uh, we had a DJ, if you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you can see the movies and you know get the whole story. But Alan Freed was a DJ on pop radio and and a lot of the um, rhythm and blues music was on the black stations and you couldn't play it on the pop stations, but they had people who were trying to copy or steal the music. Now it's one thing when a Pat Boone sings Tutti Frutti instead of Little Richard. It's not great. It, sounds out of place it's, it's awkward but it it's not it's not wrong in that sense but when they start taking a song a melody and work with me annie becomes dance with me henry mm. uh, no 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 and he got to a point where it was it was he was just angry and it was bullcrap and so he started playing the original music. He said, tonight, enough of this crap. We're gonna rock and roll tonight. And he just paid all the original. He got fired, but that was how it began. Because he had the guts to put a stop to it. And, you know, little by little, this artist would refuse to work in segregated, you know, arenas and whatever, and little by little by little. But the point is I was there when it happened. I heard it. I got to, we owned a beer and wine bar for a few years. And I got all the records when they were taken out of the jukebox.
0: Really? Wow. I
1: still have them all. I still play them all. You can take anything, but nobody can take my records.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, Big Al Turner and, and, and Joe Turner and, uh, you know, the Midnighters and, and whatever. And I have all these records, so I know what the music is supposed to sound like. And what. And I mean, I got really pissed off when, when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened and one of the news broadcasters, um, I don't know why they're putting it in Cleveland. God damn it, do your homework. You're supposed to be a journalist. If you had done your homework, you know, that's where it got birthed. That's where it happened. That's why it's there. It belongs there. You know, what's the matter with you people? And uh, so when, when I mean, sometimes I'm dancing, I'll be on a dance floor and somebody will go, oh, you're really good. And I, well, I'm from Cleveland, we're rock and roll. I mean, I, any opportunity I can to straighten the world out, let them know, I do it. I, it it's just one of my little fetishes. But, but I think it's important because people, you know, besides the fact that Cleveland has been, you know, every bully on the planet makes fun of Cleveland stand-up comics, situation stories, movies, they're always bad rapping Cleveland and pisses me off.
0: Yeah, no, that, And if that. rock
1: and roll is so important to the world that we brought it to you folks, you know? Absolutely,
0: so. absolutely. So In event,
1: um,
0: I wanted to touch on your desire to help others. Is it something that you think you were born with?
1: Or yes, is something yes. that
0: you grew into as, as time went on?
1: No, I think I was always called um, at a very young age. I was going to temple by myself. My family didn't go. I mean, I went to Sunday school, but um, I was going to services. I was being attracted to, uh, as I said, from, from, from very early age, to helping children, making things safe. I knew I had to be a grown up before I could do something about it. But wherever I could, I would, uh, I, I felt, how do I say this? Uh, I had information as a young kid that most people don't learn until they're much older. So before I took any sociology classes or psychology classes, before my mother gave me, you know, information about why this and how that person got, you know, the history of how people became what they were, her, her family, my father's family, whatever. I just had this information and I felt I was given this information, I understood things, I understood people, and I just deeply believed that it had to be for a reason. Now, I've interpreted what I think that reason is. I have visions that when I die, God is going to tell me. What I was trying to tell you was, you know, I don't know. I don't know. This is is my interpretation of if you want to call it gifts, if you want to call it knowledge, if you want to call it an awareness, an awakening, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that, that I believe that that's what I am supposed to do and always have. And that's why I didn't, I took jobs to kind of get toward my goal, not, yes, I want to make money. Don't misunderstand. Of course I do. But I'm more interested in doing good, which is also part of my, my spiritual upbringing in more modern times. Um, a lot of people will say they just want their kids to be happy. Right. In Judaism, there is uh, a big push for those that talk and analyze as opposed to just blind obedience. You don't. You don't seek to be happy. You seek to be good. Do the right thing. Help your neighbor. Da da da. That kind of thing. And I take it to heart. I take it to heart. Individually, I take it to heart. Collectively, um, I don't. I don't approve of people jumping on a bandwagon to, you know, the gossip mongers and what have you. And everybody deserves a chance at a good life. And if they've not had a good beginning, somebody needs to tell them that that doesn't matter. And just like they're not talking about the finances, they're not talking about the opportunities. And I think when you, when you have families who resign themselves, um, when I was working in the camps, one of the things we were able to do, we got permission to take a few kids on a field trip. And we took them to the forest for a hike. There were kids in that camp. Born and raised, excuse me, in Los Angeles. Never seen the ocean.
0: Wow.
1: How could you live here and never see the ocean? Um, Never been to a forest. Never saw tall green trees and hiking trails. never, Never saw any of that. Never participated in any of it. And so I've realized over time that these things happen, whether it's because of the religion, whether it's because of the race, whether it's because of the poverty, whatever it is that keeps people in this little closed several block radius or whatever it is. Uh, There was a thing many years ago, and I can't tell you who, I wish I could quote it, but I don't remember um, in New York, where I think it was a mayor maybe um, or or a spiritual leader of some sort where they decided they were going to fix it and they took like three blocks and then they went to four blocks and then they went and just teaching and exposing and whatever it is, but they took it to clean it up and and let the kids know and and whatever. And that's how I see it. I'm only one person. I can't change the world. So I stopped trying to change other people. I try, to, I try not to get a middleman. I could tell you and a bunch of your business associates, you should, you should, you should. I can't do that. You you don't know me from Adam. You're not going to listen to me. But if I can talk to the kids, if I can talk to one family, one neighbor, one, and say, hey, it doesn't matter. I worked in a, in a factory and I needed pulled to get that job. I worked with a gal who had, she had Learn stenography, typing, all kinds of office procedures, and she's working in a factory. We were examining children's hats for flaws. So you work out a season in the summer at hundred degree weather, where wow. there was no air conditioning. You're working on wool products, right? And 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 the sweat and the hairs are all. I mean, it was awful. What is she doing there? She could be working in office, making hundreds of dollars more. When they, they were, I worked part-time because i was a summer it was a summer job for me i needed pull to get the job and i was working at minimum wage they were working piecemeal so it it meant they were paid they were paid by how many of the product they got through you know what i'm saying right okay so she could be making hundreds of dollars in a clean air-conditioned office doing secretarial work and she's and when i well, that's what her mother did. That's what her grandmother did. Same company, same mom, same job. Nobody told her she had this information that could get her money. So no, nobody was there to tell her uh, it just, and I see this all the time in all sorts of ways for all different families, different things that the information is, is and, and there are some people, did you ever by any chance see the movie Stand and Deliver? Uh, no, you need to see that movie. And what you do, it would be very helpful as well. Um it was about a math teacher who taught calculus. He was Hispanic, and it's a true story. Um, and he wanted to have a calculus class for the students, and it was a it was a I don't know the word um, it wasn't a high ranking school and so he little by little convinced them to join the class so one kid is in a gang doesn't let anybody know he's taking the class never has his papers or the books cuz he he can't be seen as as but he he was bright wanted to learn another kid was homeless you can't go to school unless, so he was lying about where he lived another one um, it was the oldest of several children, so she was like the junior mother because the real mother was working three jobs to feed everybody and put a roof over their head. Um, another one, father owned a restaurant. Um, you know, this is good enough for me, it's good enough for my daughter. It, it's like nobody was allowed to leave their station in life, and that comes from the parents as well. You know, nobody helped me. You, you got to I just don't believe in that I I had an uncle who did that he went to Harvard and he he worked his butt off and um the fact that he got in as a Jew as a whatever and so some years later now his son nobody helped me oh he wouldn't help his son. okay I understand I understand the mentality I don't agree with it I don't approve of it but I can't sit back and keep quiet but I also know there's only certain places, you know, I, I've learned to choose my battles and I choose to try to make the world a better place.
0: No, absolutely. And then, and I love everything you just said. And it brings me to the point that there are so many things that people can be doing on a daily basis um, that can increase awareness and increase that flow. Absolutely.
1: And, Absolutely. So in
0: from your opinion, in your opinion, what are just simple things that we can all be doing or parents doing for the kids?
1: Is you used to have everybody come to the table to have dinner. Right. In this day and age with all the electronics, the food is on the stove, you scoop out a plate and you go back to your room.
2: Maybe you want to allow
1: it a few days a week. But as a steady diet, no. You have dinner. One day a week, two days a week. Assign the days, build the family around it. I don't care what you do. Because things are said and learned and found out and exposed. Sitting down and eating a meal. And I don't care whether it's at a fancy dinner table, if it's in the backyard barbecue, if it's at a picnic table in a park. doesn't matter. But that act of sitting and eating, people say, if you ask your kid every day that comes home from school, what did you learn? Oh, nothing, nothing happened. But sit down and dinner. Oh, you should have seen, yeah. And the stories just come out organically. So that's number one, letting electronics, and there are homes that do that. Some homes who do it religious reasons on the Sabbath, no electronics no cell phones no computer no whatever okay i'm not saying that I, you each family has to find their own way that's a good way to do it but i don't think you want to be punishing kids because of the spiritual beliefs of the family right. you know what i'm saying i i, I it, they they need to understand that they're they're giving up life they're giving up life um, I've read a lot of articles in recent times about kids who were made something happen and they had to go talk to each other. It was very difficult. We've gotten too far away from our humanity. So the little things, um, I'm sometimes accused of, they don't use the word old-fashioned, but, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm from another time. I use a computer, I have a cell phone, I do a lot of electronics, but I don't let it take over my life. Hmm. That's the difference. I still think, I still do, I still go. I, and if I'm, if I'm in a meeting and the phone, that's what voicemail is for. That's what answering machines are for. When you're doing one thing, you do what you're doing. When you're with somebody, I don't care if it's a business meeting, if it's a religious event, if you're out with friends, if you're playing games with with your children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews or next door neighbor, you're busy, you're involved. You're, that phone should not be at your beck and call, twenty four hours a day, because you're first of all you're giving access to people who just own you, and ten people own you. Why didn't you call me back? Why did you? or the job? even even a job you're doing this, you can't you, it, it, it's just wrong um, it's it's unhealthy. it stops i I had a client that I worked for for about 10, 12 years. He died just a few years ago, and when I first went to work for him um He always worked on the patio outside because he was a smoker. So he didn't smoke in the house, he smoked outside and the outside patio was his office, so to speak. I did my bookkeeping work and my inside in in, in an office, but I would have meetings with him out on the porch. So if I had to come out and ask him a question, and he's, he's at his computer, go ahead, I'm listening. So the first few times I asked what I needed to ask. He gave me the answer. I went and did what he told me. Why did you do the da da? The, the, the? And then I he wasn't listening. So after about the third time, I said, okay, I just wait. he said, I'm listening, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I would and he finished. it. And then he, I told you, what is it you want? And, the, 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 and he would get mad at me. But I took letting him get mad at me. Rather than having to do over what I did wrong because he wasn't listening and his instructions were, you know, it's like I was protecting him from himself. This wasn't about me. What do I care? It's his company, his money, his his records, his life, not mine. And I'm not gonna be a part of demolishing just because I learned, I learned he, he, he wasn't paying attention. So I can't, now some people can, but no. You you got to have time to communicate. You got to have time to be just be. Um, and if you don't teach your kids that, they're going to be uptight. They're going to be uh, uh, nervous. They're going to be insecure because they won't develop as an individual self. They need they need to know that they're allowed. Excuse me to have opinions, and that they can dislike things, and that they can. They don't have to do what everybody else does. And, and that's, that's hard because everybody wants to belong. It takes a lot of courage to stand on your own, to go against my daughter. Uh, as a little girl, finally, she was somewhere around eight, I think, seven or eight. And she finally got in this group. She could never be in a group she couldn't handle it. There was too much trouble and too many problems and there was always conflict. So she finally got in this group of girls and um, a new kid moved in the neighborhood. And she was told if she's gonna be friends with the new girl they weren't gonna be friends with her. Really? Eight years old. She decided she liked her. This girl moved in, it was just she and her mother. Her father, I think, had been killed in a shark attack, and she wanted to be friends with her, so she was. Okay, but after a while, it started to bother her, and she would come home crying, Mommy, why don't they like me? Why won't they play with me? I can't tell you. You're going to have to call and ask. So she called one of two of her friends that she was closest to. Well, Michelle, I like you. I'd be happy to play with you if Jennifer says it's okay. That was at eight. It continued like that with this girl who was the leader, the ringleader, till they graduated high school. Wow. People make these movies like Mean Girls and whatever and think they're funny. I'm sorry. I can't watch them. It's too cruel. It's too cruel. And, and um, the people who, people make fun of people for everything. Everything for being too thin, for being too fat, for having freckles, for talking to the list, for wearing glasses, for uh, you don't have a mother, you don't have a father, you don't have a family, you whatever, just anything that can, red hair. I have a grandson who happens to be a flaming redhead. His whole life, he has been bullied and beaten and just because he has red hair. Wow. But that isn't new. It goes back into biblical times. They talk about gingers and that There was kick a redhead day um, a few years ago. He was in, he's 21 now. Um, I can't remember if he was in elementary school or junior high school, but I would say somewhere between 10 and 14. And it was all over the, it was all over the internet. Kick a redhead day. People in in Los Angeles were getting arrested for beatings and this, that, the other thing. And I called my daughter to find out how he was and if he was, what are you talking about? She didn't know about it. Now that's not like her. My daughter knows everything that's going on. And she was horrified and completely guilt written because she didn't know. And he's getting beaten and torched. And, you know, it was just, it just, just because he has red hair. Well, is that any different than because you have black skin or brown skin or yellow? I mean, I, I, I just, it's atrocious no matter what it is or how it works. It just doesn't belong in humanity. No. And you, you, people need to be taught. I hate the idea that people are taught how to get arrested safely or oh. how to, you know, that kind of thing instead of you don't have to put up with this, but not putting up with it doesn't mean you get angry and fight. And, and that's, I had, a, I had a teacher. Nobody could tell me what to do. Not because I was a smart ass. I just didn't let people have power over me. I never had any fear. I never had, it was always independent. My father tells stories when I was two and I just, I I wasn't disrespectful ever. Teacher told me I couldn't talk to the janitor. Talk to the janitor because he's a janitor, first of all. And secondly, I couldn't talk to him because he was black. I let her talk. When she was done talking, I walked away. He was my friend. I was going to talk to him. She can't tell me what to do. Who is she? But I didn't have to say that to her. I didn't have to say, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my mother. You're not the judge of me. You're not the master of me. I, I, I didn't have to do any of that. A few weeks later, she talked to a whole group of people. Same speech. And then she turns to me and says, and I've talked to you about this before. Walk away. Don't give them the power. Don't give them the power to tell me how I am going to live my life or who I'm going to be friends with or what I'm going to do or not do. I, I, I just I wouldn't allow it, but I didn't have to fight about it. I didn't have to I, I didn't have to cause more trouble than the trouble that was already there. If you uh, there's so many parents who will tell a younger child, Just ignore her or him. He's just trying to get a rise at you. If you ignore him, he'll stop. They want mommy or daddy to do something about it. Not that mommy and daddy won't, but they aren't always going to be there. And sure shit, if you stop making a fuss, they don't have any power over you. So they no longer try to harm you or bully you or whatever. My husband was about, nine, 10 years older than his baby brother. There was a sister in between. And he used to beat the crap out of him all the time. When we first got together, he was about 16 years old. And their last fight, I remember it like it was yesterday. He tacked him, threw him across the room, banged his head on a closet door in the living room of my mother-in-law's house. And he came up laughing. My husband spent the rest of his life protecting that brother, doing anything he could for him. When he got married, that meant his wife, that meant his kids, that meant anything that happened to him or for him. He spent the rest of his life nurturing him and watching over him always. Right. And, and it's that simple. Just ignore it and it stops. And a lot of people only do those things because something's happening to them somewhere else so they take it out on somebody weaker in their life and if you just ignore it and let it go away and i mean i know those words are easy to say when you're sitting on the playground and you're trying to fit in and 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 your you know hormones are all out of whack and you feel useless and worthless and what have you it's very hard to tell somebody in that state of mind to disregard It, it it's just hard to do but um for those that can listen and find their way out um, it can make a whole difference in their lives and a lot of people who've gone into different things as a result of what police did to them when they were kids they they, they don't have to suffer all those years you know what i'm saying
0: no absolutely absolutely
1: but, but again I don't walk in their shoes. So I can't, I can't fully say I understand. I understand how people react and what their feelings are, but I'm not the one who's in that position.
0: Right, right. And and I'd like to even go back to your husband, because in the past, you told me a, a, a story about a very touching moment you had with him at one point where. You were having a conversation, and you used the word, and he um, explained to you why you shouldn't use that word. Um, can you can you share that with with the audience?
1: Um, oh, oh, you can't use the word can't.
0: Right, right. No such thing word. as can't. Exactly. In
1: his vocabulary. Now he was five foot two, played basketball in college. So I say that to most people. I don't have to say anything else.
0: Right. That's amazing.
1: You know, he just, he just believed he could do, he did go to the day, I don't know if you know anything about this. Years ago, there was this, uh, the Dale Carnegie course of, I don't know what, but it was like, to make you feel good about yourself. And he took that and he was in, but but he played basketball all the time, all the time. It was his outlet. Um, He had a lot of things. Being short didn't bother him. He, he did in his early years before I met him. He looked like Mickey Rooney looked um, when Mickey Rooney did the uh, Andy Hardy movies, and I, I have a couple of pictures. Of he looks just like Mickey Rooney, and they each grew to get into their own, you know, way of looks. But um, he wouldn't let anything stop him. He was a superb athlete: tennis, uh, basketball volleyball, bowling. He was playing pro ball. He was bowling on the bowling circuit till he found out he was being backed by the mob and he hightailed it out of there. Yeah. Um, but he he didn't bother doing anything he didn't excel at. And he was a great dancer. Uh, I mean, he was just an all-around character that um, was amazing because you know, somebody told him, I don't know. I wish I had known. Um, told him, short, stocky Jewish guys can't be salesmen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The best way I know how to get something to done get done is tell him he can't do it. And sure as shit, he will get it done. Mm-hmm. He will. Uh, a few years later, I was at a convention. He was working in the auto parts industry at the time. And some big wigs from Detroit told me, that he was the best salesman in the United
2: States. (laughs) The
1: guy who should never have been a salesman. Um, The doctors tried to tell me, December 19th, 1975, that he was going to die and I should gather the family and make funeral arrangements. His funeral was in
2: 1997.
1: Hmm. We just don't listen, I was told my son a kindergarten teacher, nice little boy, never going to amount to anything. Just keep him on medicine. He'll be fine. Five years old. Hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? How dare you? So the one who never amounted to anything is the one who spent 21 years in a fire department, 15 years in and out of military service, survived three wars, raised a daughter alone. Now he's running a trucking company. That is nothing. I'll take it any day of the week. I'll take it every day of the week. So uh, I've just learned you you, you you shouldn't put, there's no such thing as never, always, no one, or everyone. Hmm. Stop and think about that.
0: Wow, I like that. Can you repeat that one more time?
1: There's no such thing as never or always, everyone, and no one they're exaggerations i resent very much when people talk about the 60s and say it was the 60s everybody no everybody wasn't Mm. and i don't care what you're talking about right and i don't care whether it's sex whether it's drugs whether it's drinking whether it's promiscuity whether it's stealing whether it's clothes fashion uh any habit you want to talk about any any fad that comes around. It's just like families of the 50s. It was never everybody. Never, never, never. And when you say those things and make those generalities to young impressionable minds who don't know any better, they believe it. So imagine what a failure they feel like when they can't fit into these. Everybody else is Everybody isn't going to the dance. Everybody isn't wearing makeup. Everybody is, you know, I take whatever you want in life. It's not true ever. Hmm. And you shouldn't be made to feel you shouldn't be made to feel less than because you do or don't do something or participate in something or wear something or whatever it is. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, one of the big lines men used to pull on women was, if you really love me, you would take your pick. Well, that's bullshit. It's just not true. And I don't know. I don't know. I think I think ignorance is um, something that continues because people who find out things don't have any need to share that information. Friends, relatives, kids, grandkids, whatever. They just go along their way and um, do the best they can. But they don't, a lot of people have a lot of wisdom that they've gained, but they don't translate that to, and I'm not saying they're wrong or bad or, or, or faulted for it. Not everybody reacts to what happens to them in the same fashion. And as I said, I've always felt that I had a calling and and almost a duty to do and spread um if i were a religious leader i would say i got the word (laughs) you know you know what i'm saying i i i I have that i'm compelled to do it but it's a private thing and um i may have gotten the instructions all wrong i don't know i'm just doing what i think i was supposed to do
0: Sure, sure. And and speaking of instructions, there are a lot of people in general, and especially during the pandemic, so it's very very relevant right now. That maybe they're not making so much money, or maybe they are, but they feel like they're not making so much money. So they say, "What's well, really hard to save? They um, they 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 have to the penny pinch, or they live in paycheck to paycheck." What instructions or advice would you give to people like this? Um, in just so always- of-
1: how do you bring that up. The uh, the class I'm doing on on uh, Life Skills Academy right now is called Change for Dollars. And it is a class of 12 tips that I put out there for ways to save money when you think you have no money to save and it doesn't fit in your budget. And it's specifically for people who live paycheck to paycheck on a tight Perfect. budget. Um life skills academy expert is the website and you can register for the class I didn't mean to do a commercial but you walked me right into it and it's just for that and a lot of these things are things I did with my family after Mike had the heart attack but didn't die and lived and we went through all these things and as I said money was never a big thing in our life because we didn't have it so we had to learn to live without it or around it but um I managed to find all sorts of ways to save money, um, as I had learned, you know, from my mother. And we did. We maybe didn't do the same things, except I did. We did. She was there when when the kids moved in, and we got orange crates from the market, and we built dressing tables and and bookcases out of orange crates, and um, made do with with you know, what we could at the time. Um, but the thing is that there are all kinds of ways to save money um, and it's important that you realize you have more power than you think. You have control over your life. It isn't out of control unless you let it be that way. In the same way a neighborhood, uh, a bad neighborhood takes back the streets when they get fed up. You can take charge of your life at any time. There's no limit. Just because you blew your 30s doesn't mean your 40s, 50s, and 60s have to be the same way. Just because you, you know, it's like everything through yesterday is recorded history. It can't be changed. can't be altered. You can't do it, have a do-over. But what goes on from here on, that's a crapshoot. That can be completely different. Um, I spent about my years in the advertising industry back when I was on the agency side. Uh, one of the main clients was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Harlan Sanders didn't have his first chicken shack
2: until
1: sure. he was 65 years old and then it became an empire i worked with him when he was in his 80s so you know it's never too late um i know there there were some people in college between 80 and 105 who were taking computer classes hmm. um my mother-in-law had a neighbor who used to climb mountains in nepal well into her 90s <laughs> i mean uh The where's the beef gal from Burger King um, X number of years ago, she was 85 years old when she started. It doesn't matter. But the past does not have to be that's the future. And if you live in a place and your family never took you beyond the eight blocks of your neighborhood, guess what? Get up, get out. And go see the ocean, go to the forest. You don't have, just because that's the way they did it doesn't mean that's the way you had to do, have to do it. And it it's it's sad. And it doesn't have to be with disrespect or resentment. See, that's the thing. We don't know everybody's past. Our parents, many parents don't like to talk about the terrible things that happened to them. That's true. Especially... Um, if they're Holocaust survivors, if they were slaves, if they were um, ostracized, if they were an abused house, they they are just glad to be away from that. And, and, and I understand that. And, and I agree with it to a certain extent. But there are some people who go on and make a life for themselves after they find freedom, whatever that means. Right. In each different case there yeah. are others who are burdened 40 50 years on what happened cuz they can't get past it it, it you know they're, they're still having nightmares they're still having visions they're still feeling the pain of of abuse whatever i i don't walk in their shoes i can't turn it off and on like a switch but i can urge and i can urge you to urge people you know people you work with people who are in your neighborhood people you come The past does not have to define your future. I love it. But you have to take that first step. Journey of a thousand steps begins with one step. And it's like a lot of people who are abused, they will stay in that situation because they're more afraid of the unknown.
2: Hmm.
1: Change is harder for most human beings. And they are terrified of it. Terrified. Now I can't imagine being beaten daily, weekly, whatever it is, on a regular basis, breaking bones and the pain. I'm not big on physical pain. <laughs> Emotional pain I can handle almost anything, but physical pain, no, no. Um, I have spinal problems. I have feet problems. Whatever. So so pain, pain, and I don't get a lot. However. I don't have the same kind of fear. There are some things I'm afraid of. I don't deny that, and some of them are stupid. There are certain bugs I'm afraid of. There, I'm, I'm terrified of going to the dentist. I know it's irrational. I, I've stood over a bug, this one particular one. I don't know what it's called. I, I, I just, I mean, ants and worms and flies, and you know, okay, but uh, this one, I. And I would stand there over, I would leave the house. Rather than try to, all I have to do is step on it. I'm a thousand times bigger, right? Heavy foot. I got myself to a point where I could throw a book on it. But that book might sit there for three days, four days. I had an office manager who would come save me. She would, take, or if I saw it in the house, go to the bathroom or whatever. She would kill it. She was terrified of other things. Um, but we each have our own, and um, but there's help out there for almost everything in today's world. Whether it's bullying, whether it's tra- sex trafficking, whether it's um, you know emotional instability, suicide prevention watches, uh, disability, you know, you know, you name it. There's a group. There's somebody. There's and and there's a lot of publicity. Maybe not enough, but still. You have to be willing to take that first step. You know. And a lot of people are just so frightened of the unknown that they won't do it. They will put up with whatever has to come. And um, the people who are lording over them are sometimes victims themselves. That's how they got that way. Or sometimes all you have to do is stand up to somebody and they back off. Um, my my grandmother worked for a tyrant and everybody in that place was afraid of him. I wasn't afraid of anybody. I'm this young punk kid, but you know what? He's not going to talk to me the way he's talking to other people. I'm not going to put up with it. But again, I didn't have to be disrespectful. I didn't have to fight with him. I didn't have to call him names. I just spoke my piece. Guess what? He treated me with respect all the time because I didn't succumb to him. I didn't let him frighten me and I didn't let him control how I behave and that just like the teacher from sixth grade but I didn't have to fight with her. I wouldn't give her an ounce of my energy to have power over me.
0: Right. And 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 and, and speaking of being strong, and um, I really want you to touch on this before we wrap things up. Can you please talk about why what you do is, is important? Because it's so, so important in society today. So can you please just touch on that? Why, why what you, know, you do is Here's important? the
1: thing. You can know an industry inside and out. But if you don't know how things run yourself, I'm not saying you have to be a bookkeeper. I'm not saying you have to do everything. But if you understand how things work, you know what you need to do. You can see when people are making mistakes. You can see when things drop off. You can protect yourself from uh, penalties, from embezzlement, from inferiority, from making sure you're licensed, whatever. And the thing is, If you're not doing things in an organized fashion, where where you're meeting deadlines, so you're paying penalties, you're paying interest charges. You're also insecure because you're afraid it's all just, putting by knowledge is power. And it doesn't matter what kind of knowledge it is. Whether it's how to do things in the house, how to do things in the business, you don't have to do it all, but you need to know what needs to be done so that you make sure you hire the right people. But if you understand how it works, not that you do it, but if they're making a mistake, you can read the information and know that it tells you there's a problem. And you're leaving yourself open for being taken advantage of physically, financially, tax. You, You can't stand up for your rights if you don't know what your rights are. You can't have proper insurance to cover things if you don't know what you own. You you can't get a rider on, on, on a policy for excessive equipment or jewelry if you don't know that's what things are worth. That ignorance will cause you problems in finances, in protection, in legalities, in all different ways all different ways it's important to know what things are it's like when you talk to a doctor and he's talking about a bunch of things that you don't know cuz you don't even know the names of your own body parts i mean it sounds stupid but it's true you you have to know i i got a kick i actually went to a mechanic about a year or so ago, and he's starting to talk like the people. You know, it goes like uh, he now is making sounds the way that people describe things. Well, is it a sound or is it a? Uh, uh, it, it's like because nobody knows what anything's called.
2: Right, nobody
1: right. knows that the tubes, the wires, the it it it's all ignorance and ignorance. I'm saying this very loudly. Ignorance does not mean stupid.
0: Mm. And, 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 and no, Stupid
1: means you can't learn. Ignorance means you haven't learned yet. Mm. And when you are ignorant of something, nobody—that that is not a criticism. You haven't learned about it. Nobody's taught you. Nobody's told you. You haven't experienced it. It's just not knowing. That's all it means. It's not knowing. And by not knowing something in whatever arena you're in, you are leaving yourself open to being taken advantage of from not obeying laws because you don't know them, by not getting proper licensing because you don't understand what's required, by not ensuring enough or properly because you don't know what things are worth or what your responsibilities are, and you can know your industry inside and out and still be completely ignorant about how business works. And that ignorance can cost you heavily over your lifetime.
0: And because you're right. the problem. You're, you're absolutely right.
1: You know, it, it, and it, it, you don't have to own a business. I'm talking everyday people. You might work at a factory or a production company or whatever you go, you punch and you come home, but there's still a business side to your life. Everybody has rent and utilities and, and phones and, and gas and, and, and food and insurance and medical stuff. And if you don't understand how, how this works and what's taxed and what's not taxed and what is deductible and what isn't deductible. And if you don't understand the mechanics, you need to understand the mechanics of your car. You need to understand the mechanics of your body. You need to understand the mechanics of your life, business life or personal life, doesn't matter.
0: Sure, sure, no, absolutely. And speaking of understanding understanding the mechanics, can you, for people that are listening and are and gonna hear you speak and say, chip is right and I wanna start taking steps today. What is, what are two things they can start doing today? Two free tips they can start doing today to be more responsible with money. And then uh, my last question for you is gonna be, how can people find you? Um, but I love, I love your 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 the words you use, mechanics. So can you please talk about well, two? It, it's,
1: it's a process. So if you um you learn an industry and you know how it works and you know what it, but what does your life work? What are the parts of your life? You should have a master list of everything you own. Furniture, equipment, jewelry, uh, vehicles. Land, everything should be documented somewhere, somehow, in a book, in a ledger, in your computer. I don't care, but you need evaluations. You need to know what you have. You could have a lot of things that are worth money and you don't even know it. You've seen that Antiques Roadshow, people have things in their attic, they have no clue. Know what your life is, Mm -hmm. know what you've got. Don't have this chaos all around, have things organized. Organization is not for people who are OCD, obsessive compulsive. Organization, whether it's your paperwork, your, your, the way your house is set up, your kitchen cupboards, your linen closets, your closets, it's to save you time. And time is the most precious thing that you've got. Save you money. There's nothing worse than going to the store because you couldn't find something. You thought you had it but since you didn't know where it was and you're shuffling through your because when you come home from the grocery store you should set up your your pantry in some you know the meats together the fish together the vegetables together the beans together the soups some fashion the paperwork in your desk pencils staples paper clips pens Whatever, whatever you have, whatever you do, whatever you use, your clothes. Now, some people will put their clothes, sleeveless, short sleeve, three quarter long, pants, skirts, jackets, dresses, whatever. Or you could have it by color, all the orange things, all the blue things, all the gray things, all the brown. Do it however you want, but do it in some fashion where you're not wasting your time looking for things food, laundry, clothes, office, I don't care what it is. Organization saves you money, saves you time, and saves you stress. That's the big thing. If you get your life organized and you document everything that's part of your life, your medical stuff, your clothes, your jewelry, and not just for you, if you're married, you and your spouse, if you have children, each one of the children, their records, medical records, school records, whatever. Put it in an organized fashion. There's nothing worse than someone who's passed away and the kids have to come clean up and, oh my God. You can keep it. I'm not telling you what not to keep and what to throw away, but keep it in an organized fashion so that it has some, some path to get to it. If you just shove things in drawers, or closets or crawl space. You're you're just, it's also not safe. So that's, I would say that the two things are to document everything that's part of your life and organize different factors so that you don't waste your time looking for things or trying to find things or having to answer for things. The right. Medical stuff will, will could save your life if you have a record of what's taken place and get as much as you can from your parents, grandparents, whoever's still around, because once they're gone, you can not get it. And it could affect your own life, your own future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then and can you, lastly, can you touch on how people can find you?
1: Okay. So number one, my name is Chip Rudolph. My company name is Problem Solvers, one word. I am in Northridge, California, 19360 Rinaldi Street, number 410. My phone number is 818-985-4204. And you may email me at chip.problemsolvers at gmail.com. I will be having a website up soon. It isn't quite off the ground yet. Um, I have started classes at lifeskillsacademy.expert. The Change for Dollars class is the first class up, which are the 12 tips and some bonuses on how to save money when you're living close to the vest. Again, that's change for the number $4. Lifeskillsacademy.expert is the website. And I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, I will be in more places. I'm going to be having YouTube videos coming out soon. But I'm making a concerted effort to spread the word of what I've learned over these last many years to try to help people learn what they need to know because nobody else seems to be doing it. Um, I know I can't change the world, but maybe I can change a few lives, and maybe those who bother to learn can share and let other people learn. I will also be available for private classes, and that to me does not necessarily mean one-on-one. If you have a company and you want something for your employees or the employees' families, if you Have an organization you want to offer to the members if you have a school a community center and you'd like classes done with that um topic like i I said sports camps if you have a bunch of people you want to get together and spread the word in your community so i will teach a class of the the people that you put together from this this group to target uh i'm just trying to to be the Johnny Appleseed of business foundation information. The main class, which will be coming out soon, is the world of business and the paperwork of life. And it's just teaching you some of the basics so that you can understand and know how to communicate what things are called, the vocabulary. You need to know the vocabulary of money. And I'm not talking about investments and stocks and bonds. I'm just talking about what things are called so you're not saying thingamajig and whatchamacallit. call you, it. You know. You know that this is a hand and these this is a, a, a knuckle and a joint, and we should know things, whether it's medical stuff, whether it's physical stuff, whether it's the car, whether it's in business, there are words. Um, the first thing you learn in the first section of the major book is an asset. Somebody talked about your physical assets. They might say you have a great smile, you have nice hair. We're talking about your personality assets. They might say you're compassionate, you've got a sense of humor. In the spy business, an asset is the guy stationed in Turkey or Iraq or wherever who's, who's a, a licensed killer to try, to kill for the government. That's an asset in somewhere else. But in the money world, an asset is something of value, something you can buy and sell furniture, equipment, cash, vehicles, land, things of value, those are assets. But mean means something different in different fields. And that's true of many of the words. You may know the words, but you know them from a different arena of learning and not in the money world. So it's important to learn those definitions so that you can converse and know what's going on with your employees with your customers, with your vendors, and if you're a private person, you still have the sales clerks, you have your children and family, you have your bosses. There's different kinds of communication in different parts of our world, and we need to know the talk of that world.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So I'm here for anybody who wants help for themselves, for their group, for their company, for their church, temple, organization, community center, I don't care. I'll I'll go wherever people want help and want to learn.
0: Sure, sure. On that note, thank you so much, Chip, for joining us. Thank you for having
1: me. I look forward to us working together and hope some things come out of this.
0: Likewise, absolutely. And one last time, can you please give out your email address and phone number?
1: 818-985-4204. And it's chip.problemsolvers, with an S, at gmail.com.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Chip. And uh, until next time, uh, guys, thank you for joining us. And I'll see you soon.